Welcome to the New York Lucis Trust Full Moon Meditation Meeting. Each month we work together as a group to contact, hold, and distribute spiritual energy in the service of humanity and all life forms. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork at lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S-T-R-U-S-T dot org. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this full moon meditation meeting uh, in the sign of Leo here in our New York office. And also a warm welcome to all of the listeners who are tuning in online. We appreciate your um, working together with us. As you know, most of you know, we're working tonight with the energies of the constellation Leo, the fifth sign of the zodiac, the sign that is symbolized by a lion, and a sign that encourages strength and courage. Those are some of the key qualities of this uh, energy that we're working with tonight. And we could all use some strength and courage when we're all working through a difficult period, not only probably within our own lives, because most of us are facing challenges, but also within the life of our country, which is really at a crossroads, it seems, and also in many other countries and a crisis facing the planet as a whole. So we can use this energy of Leo, which does, as I said, bring this courage and this strength to uh, do what we can to surmount our own crises, but also the collective crisis of humanity. So for those of you who might be new, and we do have some new people here tonight, just to introduce the full moon work itself, it's usually considered a five-day period the two days prior to the full moon, which are today is one of those days and yesterday was one. Those are the two days of preparation. Preparation for the day, the exact day of the full moon, which is tomorrow. Uh, The exact time of the full moon occurs at 4.20 p.m. And so that day is called the day of safeguarding. And it's a a sacred day. um, And so we're asked to attain as much as possible um, an inner silence. It's not like we have to be in a meditative retreat the whole day. We have busy lives. But if we can, particularly at the time of the full moon, take a few moments to link up with the vast group of people throughout the planet. Because everywhere around the world today, there are small groups, some larger groups, working in alignment with these full moon energies to create um, a subjective type of cable within consciousness, a cable through which we can penetrate into the subjective realities, which are always there, which are always present for us. But they're said to be, at the full moon time, uh, what's called a thinning of the veils, like um, a, a lessening of the disturbances that normally present us from approaching that inner reality. Instead, at this full moon opportunity, there is a, t- a time when the inner planes are approaching us, and we as a collective group are reaching upward and aligning in consciousness with that effort. And so it's a time to bring through spiritual energies. And so if you can, take that moment, as I said, a little bit before the exact time at 4.20 tomorrow, 
and just try and radiate the energies of light and love to the planet. Um, we'll all be doing our part to help, help aid our planet in its shift towards the light. This work is composed of people and groups of all nationalities in all parts of the world. And we're told that these seed groups that are everywhere are actually going to become a central part of the whole Aquarian age, the coming age of Aquarius, which doesn't really begin for another hundred years, but we're laying the groundwork for, for that work now, which will be a 2,500-year cycle. And as I said, this full moon meditation practice will be a central aspect of the approach to divinity that we'll be developing among people of all different religions. We're told all of the different religions of the world will incorporate this full moon work. And so um, we're laying the seeds for that now. So it's an important groundbreaking work, really, that we're involved in. So there's a sentence from a, a sort of a sister teaching of our teaching here, which is called the Agni Yoga teachings. Um, there's a sentence from one of the slokas in that tradition, which I think encapsulates what we do or what we attempt to do at these full moon meetings. It said, the benevolent thinker is surrounded by a rainbow, and through this light brings healing. And so really, if you just extend that idea of an individual benevolent thinker creating a rainbow in their consciousness to a group of benevolent thinkers creating, likewise, a giant web of rainbows surrounding the world through the these rainbows, through these webs of light, um, healing and blessing is released on the planet. So it's just another visual image of what we're really doing together. And if you don't know, it's important to take note that this particular full moon is heightened in its potency, somewhat exponentially so for a number of factors which I won't get into, but the main factor is because it's an eclipse. It's a lunar eclipse, so tomorrow in particular, but really the whole time that follows after this eclipse is colored by this potent energy that an eclipse always brings. Um, ancient peoples understood that eclipses were times to tread lightly, to protect yourself, because there are powerful forces released. They thought they were the forces that were battling on the physical plane between the dark and the light. And those of us who work in, in this particular tradition, some of us at least, we hold to the idea that an eclipse is a time for us to appropriate the spiritual will and to use that will to penetrate into an even higher realm of consciousness than is normally available and open to us and particularly in a sign such as Leo, which is in one aspect aligned with the spiritual will, which is uh, the first ray energy. And so really is a potent time for us during these, this next uh, few weeks to appropriate as much as we can the higher will in our own lives. Because we know that this will energy is also appropriated by people and groups who work with the forces of darkness. And so we who work with the forces of light have to also do what we can to, to aid um, that forward movement into the light. 
And so all of you should have a card on your chair called the Gayatri, said to be one of the most ancient prayers from the Vedic tradition. And always at the beginning of our meetings, we like to take a moment of silence to link up in consciousness with all other individuals and groups throughout the world who are also participating in these full moon meetings. And then we sound together the Gayatri and followed by a sounding of the sacred word, the Om. Thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. So now I just share a few thoughts related to the sign of Leo and other related aspects um, of this work in order to just prepare us. It's the, the whole reason for giving a talk is really to just help to prepare the group mind so that we can do the real work that we're here today to do, which is to come together in group meditation. So this Gayatri, this ancient prayer, I chose to begin with this because it has a great resonance um, to the sign of Leo because it's an homage to the sun. And the sun is the g one of the great symbols in the sign of Leo. The sun has always been with regarded with reverence. Uh, Suzanne, could you adjust the sound because it's getting a big echo now? Sorry. Okay, sorry. The sun has always been viewed with reverence by people throughout the world, ancient peoples, the people who lived more in tune with the cycles of nature. And they divided the day, we're told, into three main parts. The sunrise, the noontime hour, and the sunset. And these three parts, during these three parts of the day, uh, they were said to make an approach to divinity, 
to offer a prayer and to offer a visualization sometimes. The first portion, the, the sunrise, is always considered the most sacred time in the day, and it corresponds to the first aspect, the highest aspect, the spiritual will. The noontime hour is more related to the soul, the sun, and the third aspect, or sunset, is related to the third aspect, the personality life. And so if we can accustom ourselves in our busy lives to perhaps take a moment at those times to maybe silently link up with divinity, then we become placing our own lower vehicles into alignment with the cycles of nature, which correspond to the cycles of the soul. And so it's a, it's a helpful practice. And the, um, this organization was founded by a woman named Alice Bailey, and she worked with a Tibetan teacher to write a number of books. And in one of the books, this Tibetan teacher gave a, a beautiful and very simple visualization, if you have the time, and choose to accompany those moments of sunrise, noontime hour, and sunset with a, with a visualization. It, it went like this. At the morning sunrise meditation, this, a student who he gave this instruction to was asked to visualize a lotus of a deep rose. And after he'd built that lotus in his mind's eye with care, um, he was asked to see emerging from the center or heart of that lotus a stream of rosy light. And to then visualize that light engulfing himself and his co-disciples on the path. And then the visualization at the other two points in the day, the noontime hour and the five o'clock, or the sunset hour, was the same visualization, but just using a different color. So at sunrise, it was again, the visual was the rosy-colored light. At the noontime hour, it was the golden light of the sun, because the sun's at its highest peak. And then at the sun, sunset hour, they was, he was asked to visualize an electric blue lotus, and em, emanating from the heart of that lotus was a golden light, again, the light of the sun. So that's a simple exercise that we can use to accompany those powerful moments in the day. The goal of all life in our solar system, we're told, is concerned with the unfoldment of consciousness, the unfoldment of the love aspect, the soul aspect. And this is, of course, related to Leo, Leo because it is very much related with this quality of radiation, of giving forth of light. And in the teachings itself, it's one of its keynotes is the light of the soul itself. And this is the goal of all of us who are seeking to take up the long journey of the path of return. But for many lives, this light has been hidden, this light within us. It's been hidden by the constricting veils of maya, glamour, and illusion, which hold us in their grip and prevent us from seeing the light that is everywhere around us. And there's a passage from the ancient Upanishads, which beautifully illustrates how powerful these surrounding veils are and how easy it is for, not, for us to not see that which is standing right in front of us, all around us, yet hidden from our view. 
contained within the seeming ordinary and familiar aspects of the daily life. So it goes as this. As one not known, as one does not know that a golden treasure lies buried beneath his feet, may walk over it again and again, yet never find it. So all beings live every moment in the city of Brahman, yet never find him because of the veil of illusion by which he is concealed. Another more familiar aspect of the same idea, that of the grace, great ones, that this is the idea that the great ones placed the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven within us because they knew that that was the very last place that we would ever look for it. And so that it was therefore safe and protected until one reaches the stage in consciousness where they begin to look within. The eternal quest for the light was also the aim of the alchemists of old, who were sometimes depicted as miners, those who used picks and shovels to dig into the earth in search of precious metal, the inner gold, the metal of the sun, crystallized prana. To these alchemists, gold was seen as the symbol of the richness of the inner gifts, whereas the, where the base metals represented the lower desire nature. As we become more skilled at this mining work, at this digging for the gold that's within, all the many riches and resources that are accrued over our many lives can begin to be tapped and mined in the present life because they will no longer be used for selfish purposes. And this is an idea that's conveyed as well in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, where it's stated that no one will be able to attain this inner state of consciousness who stills making demands of a personality nature. But those who have freed themselves from the allures of personality aggrandizement were told all jewels can be his. It's said that it is at this stage, the inner sun, the spark within the form begins to merge with the soul on its own plane, resulting eventually in a blaze of glory as the individual becomes a son of light. And it is this growth that confers the transformations or expansions of consciousness that allow for the entry into the world of significant realities to become possible. The individual then moves from personality integration after all the many long cycles of lives onto the phase of illumination by the soul followed by the subsequent merging of the soul and personality with the spirit. So these are the three suns, the triple suns that are symbolized in the sign of Leo. The personality sun, which is corresponding to the physical sun that we see in the sky. The <clears throat> merging with what's called the heart of the sun, which is the soul aspect, the middle principle. And then the monadic sun, or the, what's called the central spiritual sun. 
And these are illustrated by another seed thought for meditation. And this is a very interesting one, but you might have to read it a few times before you really can get it into your consciousness. Um, When that which rises over the horizon, the boundary, becomes the guiding light, the path runs clear from the highest to the lowest, and lo, the three are one. In other words, the disciple takes his stand upon the firm foundation of his radiant sun, which is that of his personality. And in astrology, that would be the sun sign. We all take our stand and are principally governed by our sun sign. So we take our stand in that sun, in that personality. And then standing within its experiential radiating light that grows from life to life, we see another sun rising over the horizon, a distant goal. And that, that rising sun is our rising sign. And in esoteric astrology, the rising sign depicts our sole purpose over a period of a number of lives. So it's a goal. It's something that we're achieving over many lifetimes. And then eventually the second sun obliterates the first So we see the rising sign eventually absorbs and only uses the sun sign as a shell, as a vehicle for the distribution of its energies because the purpose of our life is really contained within the qualities of the soul and the soul is said to shine through the rising sun. But then when these two suns, the personality and the soul, merge and blend, a third sun is seen And this is the highest aspect, the monadic aspect, the spirit, which in the teachings of esoteric astrology is signified by the sign opposite the sun. So so it's an interesting um, analogy with the sign of Leo, this aspect of the triple sun, the personality, the soul, and the monad. The pronounced individuality that the influence of Leo can confer when it's devoid of the soul's light can lead to a sense of separatism. Therefore, one of the lessons needed at the stage of the Leo consciousness in which many individuals are finding themselves in today, the integrated, powerful personalities of our world, those are the people that are ruled very powerfully, symbolically speaking, by the Leo stage. Um, What is needed at this stage in order to move forward is decentralization. The recognition that the world does not revolve around oneself, that we are not the center of our universe, and that we're rather instead part of a collective energy field. But on a planetary level, a similar process of decentralization is going on within the field of space science in conjunction with amazing advances in high-powered telescopes and astronomical computation systems. Humanity's conception of the universe has expanded exponentially. And the excitement yesterday over the discovery of a lake on Mars has fueled scientists' expectancy that there could be life on that planet.
And while this is encouraging on the one hand, it also illustrates how far we have to go in another process of needed decentralization as we move towards the recognition that the entire universe is in fact teeming with life already. Surely one day we will come to view our planet as a part of a larger collective life, a life that's composed of stars, galaxies, untold suns, all floating within the vast sea of the universe. This is the understanding conferred by the teachings of the Ageless Wisdom, that our world consists within worlds that exist within greater worlds and extend to include really ten dimensions of reality. This transformative journey of the triple suns that rule in Leo begins with the process of alignment, the first stage in a long journey. Alignment brings about the ability to fuse the three lower vehicles whereby they can be held steady in the light of the soul through a meditative practice. Each day then brings this influence of the sun, the inner light, to bear upon the personality. And in ancient teachings, this practice of bringing in the daily light was sometimes compared to the dyeing of a white cloth each day bringing in a little of that golden light of the inner sun, the golden light, and each day dyeing that cloth a little bit darker till the end of when you become more realized in your meditative practice, it was said that the cloth was a bright golden color. So progress on the path becomes possible as we take up the long process of freeing ourselves from the half-light, from the fogs and mists created by the rising sun, wherein all things are seen misshapen and distorted. This process, which occurs at different turns upon the spiral of the path of return, is sometimes known as a passing through of the burning ground experience. And Leo is said to be the preeminent sign of this burning ground. And the burning ground has been described as the place of the purificatory fires, purificatory fires, the fires needed to prepare the instrument to carry out the work. At a certain point on this path of the burning ground experience, pain no longer proves a detriment for what's called the way of fire begins to call us with a fierce appeal. Then the other side, that which exists beyond the veil, begins to also be that which we call home. To quote an ancient mantra. Then it said that not in our being seeks the way of peace, not in us yearns for earth. And if we're truly brave, and Leo does confer some bravery, we're told, we exclaim, let the fire rage, the flames devour. Let all the dross be burnt, and let me enter through that gate and tread the way of fire. 
But these words should not be said nor taken lightly. The mantram should only be used by those who are, have established a long and steady spiritual practice in their lives. For these fires are real and exact their toll on those aspects of the personality life which no longer serve the higher purposes of the soul. These work with fiery energies, burn away the dross. They purify through pain and challenges that rise up to detract the seeker on the way. But when they are faced and when they are gone through, they confer a wider horizon within the contours of the mind so that the inner light can shine forth more radiantly and the vehicles, the lower vehicles, can be prepared to sustain a higher vibratory downflow of energy. The Tibetan gave us a mantra to deepen our understanding of this burning ground. Not the mantra of fire that I was just quoting from, but another less well-known keynote, you might say. He said, the purpose of my soul must show itself through burning. That which obstructs and hinders must disappear before the power of God. That power am I. I therefore tread the way unto the burning ground. There, hindrances disappear. You can perhaps imagine the third burning ground experience, which exacts a most heavy toll, but in its stead shines forth, we're told, the clear, cold light. Then we're told the false light of the personality no longer holds any allure to the group because all initiations are taken at a group level. The personality now stands as nothing more than a purified shell through which the light, the radiance, the quality, and the characteristics of the angel can shine. Hence the tremendous potency of Leo, the concentrated burning influence of the triple sun that is available to us at this time within the annual cycle. Ultimately, these expansions conferred through the burning ground experiences will lead us into ever-widening synthetic points of understanding of our place within the vastness of the garment of God in our journey from the I consciousness to the we consciousness and eventually at some distant time to the experience of the one. So now we're going to go into our meditation work. This is a somewhat structured meditation for those of you who might not be familiar with it. And we try and say the mantras in unison, slowly and rhythmically as a group. And so you can just follow my lead on that. So let's just take a moment of silence to link up in consciousness with all meditators around the world who are participating in this full moon work. 
especially linking with people we might know and who are on the path with us. We say together the mantra of group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ or world teacher at the heart of hierarchy. And then we extend the alignment to the highest center, Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energy streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see these three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
Meditation on the keynote for Leo. I am that, and that am I.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on Earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical plane centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. And just to remind you again that the exact time of the full moon 
of Leo tomorrow is at 4.20 p.m., 4.20 in the afternoon. And the next meeting that we'll be holding is the Leo New Moon, which will be right here on Friday, August 10th. And that starts a half hour earlier. That starts at 6 p.m. And our next uh, full moon meeting will be on Saturday, August 23rd at 3 p.m. So we hope you can make those. And if you'd like to be on our mailing list, um, please, there's a list over there by the door where you can sign. And any of our pamphlets are free uh, if you want more information about our work. And just to also let you know that this is a library. Um, right, mostly right now it's a, it's a reading room. And so we have many quite good, some old books on various esoteric subjects. So you're welcome to stop in any time from 9 to 5. And we do send out through the mail, we send out the Alice Bailey books, which we publish. So thank you again. Thank you for your participation in this group service. Please join us again next month. To receive announcements for our meetings, please email us at newyork.org at lucistrust.org.